0: and welcome back to Video Store Nightmares, the podcast where we discuss the strange, the bizarre, and the rebellious films of the VHS era. Tonight, we are talking about the 1984 shot on video should-be classic, Blonde Death, by James Dillinger. My name is Luke, and I'm joined by Leland.
1: Listeners, today's discussion is a modern tale ...committed to home video in the stylings of Shakespeare. We got Irrational Family, Confused Young Lovers, Senseless Tragedy, and of course, Mass Murder. If you'd like to have a deeper understanding of our SparkNotes study, then, as of this broadcast, you can find 1984's Blonde Death on Streaming at archive.org. Otherwise, you're looking at a holy grail quest to acquire this film... Luke, just how rare is this on either VHS or DVD?
0: So I don't know if there was an official '80s VHS release of this or not. Um, I have seen some, a couple of copies posted, like on Instagram, that that may or may not be bootlegs. I have the Bleeding Skull reissue that came out in the mid two thousands. I mean, when it first came out, I think it was twenty-five bucks. But now, I think you would pay uh, one to $150 per one fifty for one. You can still get the DVD from Bleeding Skulls website. I think it's fifteen bucks, so totally worth owning. And it, like, it's shot on videos, all the rage now. Like collectors are are all about it, and and movies like Creep have have had this resurgence in popularity. But I never hear this one mentioned or commented on. And I really think it deserves to be. So, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do it on the podcast, just to draw some attention to it.
1: To to give some credence to the statement that these films are, in fact, coming back for collectors. If you go to Bleeding Skull's website, right on their front page, there's an article for January 2nd that's the 50 best shot on video films.
0: Oh, I will have to check that out. So I'm going to suggest a book, um, Analog Nightmares by Richard Moog. Uh, It is a pretty comprehensive discussion of shot on video movies between 1982 and 1995. Uh, Mark Polonia contributed to it, which will mean something for fans of shot on video. Uh, So anyway, I, I highly recommend if people don't know about that book they check it out all right but with all that said um let's talk a little bit about blonde death so this was written and directed by james robert baker also known as james dillinger uh he was an author i've never read any of his novels but i'm, I'm really curious to now uh he was he was described as the angriest gay man in america and i, I my i don't know a ton about him but my impression is he's kind of like a less well-adjusted version of John Waters. <laughs> like that's what I imagine.
1: John Waters is well-adjusted.
0: <laughs> well, see like, all right. So John Waters was certainly led a rebellious youth and like, you know, shook up the underground film circuit with blasphemy and, um, but he has a sense of humor about everything and and now you know he jokes about being uh, adopted into polite society um james dillinger on the other hand like committed suicide and uh after a, a relatively short career um so yeah i think john waters is, is is relatively well adjusted but anyhow um what else should we say about this movie it stars a bunch of people who were never in anything else. If there's nothing on the back of the box. No. um, Our lead character played by Sarah Lee Wade. um, She was in a few other films, uh, but nothing I've seen there. There's a a long interview with her at the end of the VHS, which is, is pretty interesting. Uh, And if you have it, I, I recommend, or the DVD, I imagine I recommend giving it a listen. Um, but I may reference that as we go. Um, but I don't think anyone else in the cast was in anything. What did you think of the performances in the movie overall?
1: This is not our first rodeo when it comes to shot on video films. And the one thing I'm noticing that they all have in common is that the uh, the acting seems to be about the same quality. And I don't know if if that's just about the the medium of the film or if this is some sort of uh, like perception bias because of the fact that it's shot on video. Perhaps it gives all acting some sort of quality that I just haven't been able to shake.
0: I think that relative to most shot on video movies, the acting in this one is pretty good. Especially from our our lead actress, Sarah Lee Wade, uh, like I think I think she does a wonderfully good job of being like straight faced and um natural while she's saying absolutely ridiculous things. like one thing that separates this from a John Waters movie, and I think stylistically and temperamentally it's similar, is in early John Waters movies everybody is screaming their lines, right? Like, people are obnoxiously chaotic, bouncing off the walls, yelling dialogue. Like, there's nothing naturalistic about it at all. It's all, you know, uh, in the language of Spinal Tap dialed up to 11. Uh, But this movie, everyone plays it pretty straight and acts pretty naturally.
1: Uh, I will say that, in this film in particular the acting gets better as it goes along i got the impression and i could be horribly missing in the mark here that the film was basically filmed in chronological order so as the film goes along the actors are more into their characters and you know they, they get their bearings by the time the credits are rolling but especially in the beginning it felt really rough I can see that you might've also been like getting used to it. Perhaps um, I'm getting, I'm trying to overcome this urge to, to be like when I see a film that's on video, I, I get this, this natural urge to just be like, okay, do do I need to grade on a curve here? Right. When I'm <laughs> thinking about like wh- how I should be feeling about this, like the quality, the effort, you know, obviously it's not going to be a big, you know box office production or like a small indie production it's 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 below all of that in terms of like budget spent well and i don't think you can really compare those kinds of productions to each other you just can't so you have to to view it within its own microcosm of you know possibility (laughs) and no yeah i see it as its own
0: art form like its own medium separate from other filmmaking especially in this case this movie and this blows me away this movie was filmed on a two thousand dollar budget like two
1: zero 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 that is incredible to me so the camera was probably like half the budget (laughs) yeah i have no idea if these actors got paid um i really don't know paid in experience uh, maybe it's one of those things where it's like, yo, you want to be a part of a movie? You're like, yeah, sure.
0: I'm pretty sure in her interview, uh Sarah Wade says that she answered a newspaper ad. Oh huh. yeah, and and she she auditioned. She described the audition process. so
1: okay, I mean, I know you're gonna talk about this stuff later, but was it like a like a really weird audition process?
0: I, I don't know. I don't remember her discussing that. But anyway, yeah, it, it, it there was some professionalism, and she said that James Dillinger was um, was really good about like letting the actors be themselves. And um, the the one thing she said that she that I thought was interesting was that James Dillinger really wanted her to get nude for the film. And she wasn't comfortable with that. And so if you watch the film, she's never nude. Like, she always has a bathing suit on or the blankets pulled up over her. And she was like, but I don't think it hurt the film because, like, we're in bed together. Like, it's obvious we were having sex, um, but you didn't need to show me. And, I, yeah, I think it works. I I wouldn't have even noticed um, the lack of nudity if she hadn't brought it up.
1: There's so much of their depravity to focus on. You don't really need it.
0: Oh, for sure. One other thing I think we should mention before we get to the trailer is uh, the soundtrack was done by the Angry Samoans. I think this was their only film work. I'm not sure. I'm not like a big fan of the band, but I know people like I know it has a passionate following. Um, So if that's a draw for you, like I think this is their sole film work. If I'm wrong correct me like don't don't yell at me angry Simone's <laughs> fans but um like me all me. two of you oh <laughs> uh, no that it has a big following all right let's play the trailer and then we'll get into the story
2: testing one two three hi this is me Tammy Lynn Beaverdorf and these are my memoirs in case we don't get out of here alive I guess you know who I am by now, since my name is all over the TV. But since everything they're saying about us is a pack of lies, I'd like to take this chance to set the record straight. She's a real, genuine, three-dimensional human being.
1: that ain't all.
2: I think we made it. <laughs> I think we made it! We <laughs> 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 <L-I-C-K-E-Y-L-U-S-S-3> <K-E-Y-L-U-S-3>
1: <laughs> should mention too if you haven't seen this and you plan on it. The audio balancing in this film is very scuffed. You could tell in some of these scenes, it turned into like a a tinnitus simulator. Yeah, it's, um, it's tough to hear
0: in spots, which is sad because the dialogue is so good. But anyhow, you heard the beginning of the movie in the trailer where Tammy, our main character, is recording her memoirs. And so then we flashback, and her and her parents are moving into a new house in California. She's 18, and she says on the voiceover that she feels like a teenage time bomb, which is like the, the catchphrase of the movie. And they're driving past Donkey Land, which is just Disneyland, but I guess for copyright reasons, they had to call it Donkey Land. It's very bizarre, because later in the film, they sing the Mickey Mouse Club theme song. So, like, that was allowed.
1: Maybe, like, the litigious climate for for copyright lawsuits wasn't as crazy in the mid-80s. Yeah,
0: I, I I really don't know. Um, she does say in the video that they had to change it to Donkey Land, but she doesn't explain why. Anyway, it's, uh, we we begin to be acquainted with her parents. So, the first time we hear her talking to her dad, first she says she calls him Daddy, and then she says, I mean Vern. Like, he's, he wants her to call him by his first name. I, I'm not sure why, but he has some other odd idiosyncrasies that we'll get into later. And then, it I, I don't think it's her mom. It's her stepmom,
1: right? Yeah, it's yeah. her stepmother.
0: Yeah, it's her stepmother, because we'll get into the death of her real mother in a little while. Um, her mother is like an evangelical Christian who is very disapproving of anything sexual, at least uh, she claims to be. Anyway, I really like this. When, when they're starting to unpack her mom or her stepmom is like devastated that all of her cat figurines have been broken and so tammy brings up getting a real cat and the mom is like no i hate cats
1: but in the scene before that she unboxes like two cats from cardboard carriers (laughs)
0: yeah so they
1: have pet cats um
0: and cat figurines but yeah she hates cats what do you think of the Mop's performance? Like, I think she's hysterically funny.
1: Well, first, I can tell you that I have met somebody who was deathly afraid of frogs, yet had a room in their house dedicated to frog furniture, frog pictures, frog everything, like a themed room for frogs, yet they were afraid of frogs. Was it like a, I want to overcome my fear sort of thing? I did not get that far. I didn't try to psychoanalyze it. Uh, So I'm just presenting that. (laughs) There's the case. So someone not liking cats owning cat figurines is not outside the the realm of impossibility. One thing she does love is Jesus. Um, She, like,
0: walks around singing, Yes, Jesus loves me. And there's this, like christian singer on tv all the time called pat goon who is obviously supposed to be pat boone but again i guess they could not use real names but this same video of him singing is played throughout the movie it's very obnoxious
1: she does a very convincing job of playing that uh, absolutely arrogant self-righteous lower middle class way too christian woman yeah i actually think the mom's performance is really good like (laughs) like she's really funny like she is miserable in her existence so everyone else has to be miserable with her
0: yeah she reminds me of um i don't think you've seen the abomination but she reminds me of the mother in that that's another movie where the mother is obsessed with a television uh evangelist sort of person
1: i mean even if even like ignoring other films i think everyone has met somebody like this in real life yeah well as they're unpacking she finds one of tammy's
0: books and it's called nice girls do now you can too
1: i should mention that this is this appears to be a real book like she picks up an actual paperback copy of something that has a cover that actually says nice girls do this doesn't seem like the kind of film that would like make a fake book
0: yeah it's a real book it's by irene casorla she was a beverly hills psychotherapist and soap opera star
1: does does it appear to be about what the the film is indicating
0: yeah it says she explains her step-by-step plan of sex therapy which she evolved over years of work with patients
1: that sounds like a cool read
0: maybe you can get on amazon not that we want to support big corporate you know oppression but
1: no of course not
0: it's readily available
1: just you know take advantage of amazon streaming while you can before the revolution
2: nice girls do now you can too nice girls do what what do you think I asked you a question, young lady. Don't get smart with me. All right, Claret, you want to know what they do? Nice girls fuck. They F-U-C-K fuck. Burn! Burn, get in here! Burn, she said the F word. She did, did she? Critical cut. Burn,
0: she said the C word! Yeah, so because she said uh, the F word and the C word, They wash her mouth out with Lysol. Not even soap. No. This is the scene that reminds me most of a John Waters film. At at some point, um, Claret, the mom, is like naming authors that she does not read because they're filth. And I think it's really funny. She says that she doesn't read Marcel Proust, which is Marcel Proust. Uh, of course, but um, I just got a kick out of that
1: uh, we need. So, so now we're at the point of the film where we really should talk about the relationship between Tammy and her father. It okay, feels like there's a. You... It feels like there's a lot going on here that isn't discussed.
0: Yeah. So h- how would you describe it?
1: You know, in the maybe this is like a Bible Belt thing, but you know how there are father daughter like chastity promises like Uh virginity pledges Uh he feels like that kind of dad
0: (laughs) yeah um there's i'm sure we'll get to this but there's a point where they talk about how when she was a little girl she and her dad used to dress up in princess dresses and have like tea
1: parties among other things it's very odd there's a spanking scene which is uncomfortable
0: yeah so let's build up to that cuz it happens real soon yes so th- this is all um this is all set off by clarette finding tammy's diaphragm and it, she is shocked and she calls tammy a a no good little white trash whore And Tammy's like, no, I'm a virgin. Like, I just have it just in case I meet the right one. And uh, Claret says, everyone knows you had an affair with the retarded black boy down the street. And this is when her dad decides to give her a spanking for, like, talking off to her mother. And he tells her to pull her panties down. And Tammy's like, no, you'd like that, wouldn't you? I'm too old to spank but they force her the mom holds her down while the dad spanks her and yeah it's very uncomfortable
1: which is probably how you can best describe the mood of this film uncomfortable
0: i i find it funny but in the same way i find john waters funny like it's such an affront to good taste like it's so far in the ridiculous direction that i'm able to just laugh at it all
1: You're laughing as, like, a survival function. (laughs) Maybe. You're laughing to counteract the bad mind chemicals. Maybe. I,
0: I will say it's pushing it pretty far when, after the dad finally lets her go, I forget exactly what Tammy says, but she basically indicates that she could feel his erection against her.
1: Yeah. Again, uncomfortable is the theme of Blonde Death 1984.
0: And, and the whole time the spanking is happening pat boot uh, pat goon is, is singing the like the spiritual the hymn on tv
1: i feel like this might have been based on like a real life incident cuz there seems to be a, a lot of weird family trauma incidents that occur while a tv is on in the background and i'd imagine that whether it's like a radio playing a song or a tv playing a, a you know, a channel or a show or whatever it like will forever ruin your perception of that piece of media. Like you'll forever associate that trauma or that like bad incident with that piece of media.
0: I feel like he's going
1: for for something like that here.
0: I, I don't know a lot about James Dillinger, but I do know that he was described as the angriest gay man in America. And he was his work. As far as I understand it, Was very much like striking out against white heteronormative suburban life in America, and he wanted to satirize and attack that, which is exactly what John Waters wanted to do. Um, This is just angrier than John Waters. (laughs) Like John Waters is is having fun with it. This movie, Blonde Death, is funny, but it's also Clearly angry. Like, I don't imagine that James was like a fun guy. I imagine him being like miserable to be around. <laughs> and maybe I'm wrong. Like, if you knew James and know otherwise, like, let me know. Um, That's just how I imagine him. Anyway, Tammy escapes and she locks herself in a her room. And in her voiceover, she tells us that, she watched TV in a confused stupor for the rest of the night until she had to make a famished run to the kitchen. And this is where we really hear about the dad and Tammy's weird relationship.
2: You stay what from me. I ain't gonna hurt you, Angel. Good God almighty, I love you. Oh. All right. How could I have ever whacked the behind of the precious little girl I love so much? Here, let me kiss it and make it all well. It's embarrassing me. Why? There ain't nobody here but your dear old dad and his precious little girl. I don't know. It's just I don't know. I just think that... Well, some of the things we used to do, I think they may have been wrong. Wrong? What's wrong with a dad who used to dress up in a blue velvet scarlet hair dress and play with his daughter like a twin sister she never had? Nothing, I guess. Or a dad who used to let his little princess dress up in a real mama's stiletto high heels and walk all over his face. I don't know. Or a dad who cut off a donkey's head when that donkey sprung a boner at his sweetest little princess's birthday party on the lawn. Hi, i got to go to bed. Oh, Lord. Me too. i got to catch that plane at 8 a.m.
1: <laughs> I forgot about that last one. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, we originally tried to watch this on a VHS copy, and uh, the audio was so bad that sometimes you couldn't quite tell what was being said. So uh, I definitely missed that last line. <laughs> Yeah, my my bleeding skull VHS sounds pretty good, but for whatever
0: reason, the copy I made for Leland was
1: not very audible. It's okay. I think it was after the scene that I switched to uh, the archive.org one, so that that's definitely reliable. Even even though the audio is still scuffed, it's not too scuffed to uh, to to understand. Well, anyway, we
0: after it, the dad has to catch a plane
1: because he's going to Saudi Arabia for three weeks. Everyone like, all the parents go to Saudi Arabia in these movies even? yes, all of them yeah, I don't, I'm
0: pretty sure I'm pretty sure that's where the parents are in the video dead.
1: Yes yes definitely.
0: So this freaks Tammy out because she does not want to be alone with Claret for three weeks.
1: Yeah, you know, I also, also got to point out, there's a lot of visual stuff in this scene that really st- stand out. She threatens him with a knife as he comes in. <laughs> he's, uh-huh. he's, he's he's in his underwear wearing an unbuttoned overshirt that might belong to the stepmom. And he has a drink in one hand. And- he falls to his knees and puts his hands like very inappropriately around tammy's hips when he is like blubbering and this is like a pretty big strategy that abusive people do to to really guilt their victims into uh you know just accepting the abuse that's going on is you. They try to frame themselves as the vi- as a victim. They're sorry. They didn't mean to do anything bad to hurt you. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And it's, it it speaks volumes. Th- this character is not in this movie for very long. Once he goes to Saudi Arabia, like you basically don't see him again. There's only one more scene after this.
0: There there are several scenes in this movie though, and this is one of them where like it walks a very fine line between being disturbing and funny. And sometimes it like dips a toe over the edge. Um, This is a scene, especially when you, you analyze it the way, you know, in, in reference to
1: real life abusers, I can see how it would make someone uncomfortable. Oh yeah. Very. Whether it's like first, second, third, or maybe fourth hand, like, abuse uh, this movie might might uh wake up some feelings so trigger warning yeah probably trigger probably warning given that to
0: begin yeah, yeah we probably should have to uh to diffuse the tension the director follows this up with a dance scene <laughs> where tammy is dancing in her underwear to the angry samoans and if you think the dance scene in nightmare on elm street 2 is ridiculous this dancing is horrid this might be the worst movie dancing i've ever seen yeah it's pretty bad basically tammy's dance is just to like spread her arms out and like sway her hips from side to side
1: does she snap while doing it i
0: don't think so
1: Yeah, no, no she's not even snapping yeah
0: but she Um, so she said in her interview after the movie that for these dance scenes there was they were playing some other song that she did not know that it was going to be the angry Samoans track and she was like maybe if i'd known what the music was actually going to be i would have danced differently
1: i don't know if it would have (laughs) helped i'm
0: not sure but anyway clorette comes in and she says that she has enrolled Tammy in a nine-week Bible study retreat. And Tammy is not excited about this. She says that she wants to go to the beach, that Vern said she could. And and Claret says this. I bet you would like that, you depraved little gidget, like a chihuahua in heat. You're going to spend the summer with Christ. And, and then... And then she says that she's going to give Tammy an enema to get her in the right frame (laughs) of mind. (laughs) And there's a scene where she chases Tammy through the house holding an enema bag. (laughs) And so Tammy runs out the front door and and Clarette yells, uh, when they find your mutilated body next to the freeway, don't tell anyone that you didn't have the chance to know Christ. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i think the mom's my favorite character but like favorite character to hate as i mentioned in our elves episode i have a thing for like <laughs> horrid mothers
1: <laughs> so maybe that's why i like this movie <laughs> but anyway i like if, sour mommy milkers <laughs> template <laughs> if uh if Oh, no. I, I will say I think
0: this is the only film where I've ever seen a character threaten another character with an enema
1: <laughs> yeah you know no, nothing quite comes to mind at the moment I maybe, dude, maybe I would have blocked it out though <laughs> yeah I think this is this is originality
0: but anyway I also thought it was funny like if if Tammy's mutilated body was found next to the freeway she wouldn't be able to tell anyone anything. <laughs> right. I guess she could tell Jesus. <laughs> Maybe that's what Claret meant. Have you ever heard the name clarette in real life? No. Yeah, it makes me think of like Clorox. It's it's a very it's an awkward name for me to say.
1: Maybe it's just one of those um, like old names from the '40s, just just not used anymore, like Agnes or. Like Dolores. I,
0: I, I mean the dad is Vern. I think that I, I think Dillinger was trying to give the like straight suburban couple like the most the the most like straight names
1: possible. Like boring, straight and ugly names possible.
0: Yeah, it's kinda like uh Edith Massey in Female Trouble lamenting how horrid the straight lifestyle is. Vern is not too bad could be worse but anyway as Tammy is walking around outside uh her voiceover tells us that she was going past the local high school which made her sad being a dropout and all so yeah she's a teenage dropout and this is where she meets um one of our other main characters this girl Gwen who has an eye patch and uh It is immediately apparent that Gwen wants to sleep with Tammy. She invites Tammy back to her house to drink some tea and listen to some records, which sounds like, you know, innuendo for something else. Tammy asks about her eye and she says, it's just an old
1: battle wound. And then she's like, but how do you feel about men? Uh, grooming alert that was the first yeah first she impression makes it,
0: she makes it very clear throughout the movie that um she doesn't want anyone to get to tammy's virginity
1: before she does yeah blonde white girls and sex forced sexualization
0: yeah this is actually the second week in a row where a very aggressive lesbian tries to like have sex with a teenager because it happened in Janie too I'm,
1: try- I'm trying to think of like every movie we've watched and if this, this has been like a stereotype did this happen in elves no I think these are the only two but it's a coincidence. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. I mean, it's like a blonde white star in, in elves did somebody try to force themselves on her I, the elf the elf did it this is the Third film in a row where there is a narrative focus around the forced sexualization of a young, white, blonde woman, girl. And I cannot wait to break this cycle with whatever we do next week. In this film, it's both an escaped felon and convict. In the previous film, it was Janie. It was essentially everybody I mean, including Janie herself wasn't exactly a, you know, stand-up person, and even in elves, you, <laughs> you had the the master race of genetically engineered super elf that spent the entire film trying to impregnate the white blonde young protagonist. Cannot wait to break the cycle, Luke.
0: After, um, in response to Gwen's question about men, Tammy says that she hasn't had much experience. And Gwen says that's a wise decision. And... (laughs) Gwen says something about... um, Tammy can sleep at her house to avoid Clarette. And they can sleep on top of each other. And uh, Tammy's like... like bunk bunk beds (laughs) (laughs) and uh and Gwen says no that she wants to rip off her skirt and for Tammy to put her muffin on her face
1: (laughs) at least she's not subtle about it something seems a little less nefarious that way
0: yeah you think so just just
1: a little just a little well,
0: when Tammy turns down her offer, and do you think that Tammy is oblivious to the fact that Gwen is coming on to her?
1: Uh, I think only for the sake of the script. Like, obviously, uh, IRL this would not this would not be the case.
0: Yeah, there's there's a point where, like, Tammy seems to realize that what Gwen is after. But it takes a whole lot of other characters telling her about it. It's very odd. So anyway, Tammy goes home and she has a note from Clarette. And it starts with, Dear Tammy, you disgusting, vile little pig. (laughs) It says she's gone on a religious retreat. um, And it's signed, Clarette, not your real mother. And there's 50 cents left for food. But she did fix her a big jug of Tang, which is in the fridge.
1: For for them youngins out there, 50 cents was not that much in the 80s either. No. That's like no, a vending no. machine canned soda.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Tammy is super excited to have the whole weekend to herself. Um, so she starts to smoke cigarettes and do some more dancing. And she takes a whole handful of diet pills so she can stay up throughout the night. But she <laughs> says that they made her hallucinate and they filled her mind with crazy thoughts like running nude through a Kmart or sitting on Richard Gere's
1: face. What was Richard Gere in at this time? Was it Pretty Woman? I thought that was like the nineties.
0: no he wouldn't have been in Pretty Woman
1: yet. Um I mean of course we all know Richard Gere from his iconic role in the mothman prophecies but (laughs) in the mid 80s it appears he was in an officer and a gentleman that's probably what it was right okay yeah yeah
0: so anyway in her uh her diet pill induced mania she calls up eye patch girl to go to the beach And so they're sitting on the beach together and Tammy says she's going crazy with all these guys around her. And she's drinking her ninth beer and says that she's just 18 years of bottled up frustration. So she proposes that they have a beach party and she gets up and she tries to get everyone to dance, which having seen her dancing, um, I'm not surprised that she fails but it's at this point that she realizes that everyone on the beach is gay and none of these men are going to be interested in her
1: yeah have you ever heard of a uh, of a gay beach no but if there was gonna be one i'd say california is where it would be
0: yeah that makes sense but yeah i don't know um gay
1: listeners let us know (laughs) if there are gay beaches i mean we live in in the information age gay beach (laughs) just search this up yeah 25 gay beaches you can't miss on your next trip okay let's see (laughs) uh wow all right so we have um spain 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 greece spain uh, florida florida california florida (laughs) what the hell Okay, have you heard of any of these? Sebastian Street Beach, Higgs Beach, or Twelfth Street Beach?
0: No, but no. I assume <laughs> I assume maybe they're in Palm Beach, which is like a known
1: gay community. Uh one of them's in Key West. The okay, other's in sense. Miami and the other's Fort Lauderdale. Uh, Alright, <laughs> Miami and Key West makes sense. And then further down the list, there's uh there's ones in California, one in Israel. That's interesting. Hey, they have gay people there. Yeah, but I don't know. is, is the religious tolerance for homosexuality in Judaism, especially uh, like tra- traditional strict Judaism like which would probably be in Israel.
0: Yeah, but a lot of Israel is very liberalized and and um you know there are branches of judaism that are reformist and um i don't i'm sure there are parts of the country that are conservative but i imagine it would be like here where we'd have you know public debates over these things
1: yeah i mean i'm woefully ignorant on jewish culture and it is also way outside the scope of this film
0: (laughs) yeah so let's get back to the film um they, they go back to tammy's house and tammy is gonna go take a shower and uh Gwen is like, is there room enough for two in there? But um, Tammy totally misses the implication. And uh, Gwen says to make sure she brushes her teeth while she's in there.
1: I I don't know. I found that odd. So her breath is ready to go. I mean, she's already drank like nine beers, man. Gotcha. Okay. So they can make out. Yeah. Well, Tammy is still talking about how she's looking
0: for that one special guy and that she she has a feeling it's going to be this summer. And right on cue, there's a guy in the bathroom who holds a gun to her head and tells her that she has to get rid of Gwen. So Gwen comes to the door and Tammy says that she needs to leave because she has the runs and
1: it's all over the place. And Gwen is like, oh, how distasteful. So we are introduced to Troy. stereotypical tan, 80s, heartthrob type. Yep. Young, in shape, and emotionally aggressive.
0: Yeah, and he's looking for someone named Noreen. And Tammy's like, there's no Noreen. Like, you know, we just moved in. And, uh... It's clear that Tammy is interested in Troy because she says, if you're going to ravish me, go ahead and get it over with. I won't make a fuss, I promise. And Troy responds, it's no fun if the bed doesn't fall apart. But he has escaped from prison. And we hear on the TV, uh, because he's watching the news, that he escaped after disemboweling... The warden's wife and escaping in her clothes. Did you find it, like, did you find the behavior of these characters to be an impediment to being invested in them or liking them?
1: I think everyone in this film is to some degree psychotic. You're already in this world. You might not be sympathetic to anybody, but, you know, there's lots of ways to get into a character that don't involve sympathy, right?
0: Like, I would say that I, like, Troy, I kind of gelled onto like, as one of my protagonists. Um, but his friend, who we're introduced to later in the movie, I did not. Like,
1: there is a difference in degrees between some of these characters. Right. The motivation for murder is important. Not, not only for the law and determining, you know, degrees, but also for determining viewers and how they sympathize with their murders
0: i mean i don't know it's pretty bad like tammy asks him what he was in for and he says mass murder there was a bunch of rich scumbags 19 in all and they all had it coming like m- killing 19 people and then a 20th to escape
1: that's pretty bad yeah it's pretty bad he's he's got a body count his friend's got a body count. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It feels like everybody in this film is just like... If they're not a murderer, they're just a murderer in like preparation. Like a murderer in waiting.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. It, see, in that sense, this kind of reminds me of Creep. In that the only characters we have to follow are like terrible people.
1: I mean, this this entire medium is about being contrarian right so the meat you know it's not filmed professionally this so of course the script is going to be very like incongruous to what people expect for for cinema um i mean so the characters are also going to be very untraditional and this this just kind of goes with the territory with all of these on video films we've seen so far it,
0: that's a good point is, is there it,
1: even a normal a, 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 quote, a quote in quotes normal like on video film that that isn't just like some student project in the woods trying to film a zombie movie like i don't, I don't know
0: uh, i mean there are some in fact i'd would argue that some of tim ritter's other films besides creep are more um orthodox um but it's a good point that like they're intentionally subversive Right. Like, this is the definition of a punk film where it really is anti establishment in every sense, even the moral sense. And so, this next scene kind of confused me, but Tammy is saying that her stepmom's going to be back. And Troy knows that the stepmom is not. And he has this letter that was written by the stepmom. Yeah talking about how she poisoned the tang and the tylenol with cyanide to kill Vern and tammy why does he have this letter
1: because he was going through the stepmom's belongings the preacher sent a letter to the stepmother outlining the plan like hey here's the cyanide tylenol
2: Dear are here are the cyanide lace tagging Tylenol ready to go. If the one doesn't work, the other surely will. It is fine that we make Vern and Tammy's death look like part of a random poisoning. So do nothing to I dream of your hot baby oil hand jobs and the church we will start with Burns money.
1: Son burn <laughs> <laughs> This Those movie hot baby oil hand jobs. <laughs> well (laughs) any anyway this film only came out a couple years after the the tylenol murders which i believe happened in the northeast like chicago or something Um, i'm not familiar with these really oh Oh, this is the entire reason why medicine bottles and a lot of other products now have tamper seals it's because there was a series of like poisoning deaths that resulted in a major city i believe it was chicago in the early 80s and where the victims had all taken tylenol like branded tylenol medicine and it was laced with potassium cyanide and i think about seven to ten people died total and of course the spawned copycat crimes which probably resulted in even more deaths But no one was ever charged or convicted. No one was ever found to have actually done it. But it happened.
0: Uh, No, I did not know anything about that.
1: Yeah, so that is why there are tamper seals on a lot of medicines now. I mean, it's actually kind of like a security theater thing because it's pretty trivial to like undo it and then glue it back on. (laughs) like rearranged to look like it's never been tampered with but yeah i don't think there's been another incident of like mass poisoning like this since the early 80s not that i'm aware of
0: speaking of cyanide tell me if you've ever heard anyone say this i know somebody who eats entire apples including the core and he eats like five a day because he's convinced that the small amount of cyanide that are in apple seeds
1: are going to build up his tolerance so that he'll be immune. I've heard of people, well, I shouldn't say people. I've heard of, um, of the idea of microdosing cyanide and other types of natural poisons to give your body an immunity to it. I just don't know if it has any... Actual bearing, I don't know if it's actually real. I want to say that was something that was done at some point in human history to prepare leaders for potential poisoning, like you know monarchies. Well, I but, definitely, but I don't, don't know if it
0: works. I, I if it does, I don't think the minuscule amount in an apple seed is going to do anything for you. Well,
1: I mean, that's why you keep ingesting it over a long period of time, right? Sure. Like, I, I don't know. It, it sounds like hogwash to me, but also if you are in a position in your life where cyanide poisoning is a real threat to your life, you probably have bigger things to worry about than how many apples you eat per day. <laughs> yeah.
0: After Tammy realizes that Troy is telling her the truth and her stepmom was trying to kill her, uh, she manages to get troy's gun while he's in the shower and aim it at him and he's like you know i'll do whatever you want me to do like what what do you want me to do and she she says i just want you to kiss me and he's like oh baby and so they make out but this is uh she says it's her first time so be gentle with her and of course while they're having sex um Clarette gets home with her lover Bert, who had written the letter to her. And when they get inside, they see that the Tang is sitting there and it hasn't been touched. And so Clarette freaks out. She pours it out and says that they'll just have to start over. <laughs> and uh, they they get like turned on and start to have sex in the kitchen. Um, she's like i bet you want it right here in the kitchen so she goes to get tammy's diaphragm that she found
1: (laughs) (laughs) i forgot it was tammy's diaphragm yeah the one she found earlier
0: and um so back to tammy and uh and troy i really liked this line troy says something like you know are you really gonna you know Stay with me? And he's like, we, we might die. And she says, just as long as you're inside me when it happens. <laughs> There's like a whole scuffle, and uh, Troy shoots Bert and kills him. But Tammy stops him from killing Claret. Because Claret's the only one who knows about the cyanide. And so Tammy wants to keep her alive so that she can confess to Vern her dad not to the police just to Vern so
1: they're going to tie her up and
0: keep her in the
1: garage I want to say like the next like 15 20 minutes of the film it's just a a bunch of scenes of this blossoming relationship between Troy and Tammy
0: yeah it is but I do want to mention when Tammy tells troy that she's in love with him for the first time he says careful baby the last girl who said that to me got her head knocked off when she stood up on a roller coaster (laughs) so i thought that that was interesting um but the next important scene i think that we should talk about is Vern calls and he wants to confess something to tammy he says, he brings up how Tammy's real mother died. And Tammy says that the story goes that her mother saw a bluebird trapped in a um, a tree shredder or, you know, like a mulcher. And so she was reaching in to save the bird, but she got sucked into the tree shredder. And Vern is like, yeah, but there was no bluebird i just said there was as a joke and that's when she reached in so tammy comes to the realization that vern kind of murdered her mom
1: i got the impression that he probably just pushed her in but maybe he was just playing a practical joke
0: <laughs> i i get the impression that based on tammy's reaction because we don't actually hear Vern talking, we just see Tammy's reactions. Um, based on her reaction, I think that he definitely did it on purpose. That's the implication.
1: He's already irredeemable, but now he's now he's beyond redemption, like further beyond redemption. Troy comes back and he's covered in blood. Is this when he carjacked the the person for his car? for the they got like a he he comes back with this hot black convertible that probably belonged to the director because this is a two thousand dollar budget film uh-huh and uh he i don't want to misquote this so i'm just gonna play it
2: just some deranged filipino foster parent with the shit out of his five-year-old amputee kid i held
0: him down let the kid bite
1: him <laughs> do you remember that yeah, that's what I was looking for. I was, try- I, was try- I was trying to quote it, but I couldn't remember the exact wording. <laughs> he, if yeah. he was abusing his his, <laughs> his amputee, amputee kid. kid. So I held him down so the kid could bite him.
0: <laughs> it's little like throwaway moments like that that make this movie so good to me. It- like... It's not it's not up to John Waters' level in terms of the outrageousness and the humor, but it kind of surpasses John Waters to me with the just oddball bonkers out of nowhere asides like that.
1: And this shirt is completely drenched in blood. He has a white polo shirt just absolutely drenched. So the, the implication is that this kid bit down so hard that it Just created a complete horror show. Yeah, he did a lot of biting. Yeah. Well,
0: there's another moment around here where Tammy is saying that she pictures hanging Vern and Claret up like pinatas and plunging hooks in their asses so the guts spill out. (laughs) I thought that was a good one, too.
1: We're skipping over a lot here, but it's basically all fluff like this and if you were to sit down and watch the film this is these are kind of the moments you're you're watching for
0: there is one important point where they're on the beach together and tammy says if i thought for one second that we wouldn't spend the rest of our lives together i'd walk into that ocean and never come back and this is after knowing each other for like a few days right
1: yeah young love you know she's
0: 18 Yeah, well, this is going to come back, so I want to make sure we hit it. There's a couple scenes where Gwen shows up. uh, Tammy stalls her and says at one point that she can't come into the house because she has to make a bundt cake. (laughs) I I have to. I have to make this bundt cake. Yeah, I have to right now. Um, But she's on to... Gwen, at this point, and realizes that she wants to get with her, but she's also trying to hide the fact that um, Troy is staying there and that, you know, they're together.
1: Can't let her know a gross man is in the house. Right, exactly.
0: But, uh, in fact, Gwen says something like, You seem different. Don't tell me someone else beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she needs Tammy's help. She says that she's going to see her ex-husband, and he tends to be violent, and so she's scared of seeing him alone. So she wants Tammy to come with her. But in the meantime, she says, why don't you invite me in for coffee and sit on my face? And Tammy's like, the bunt cake. And, and so that convinces Gwen, and she's going to come back later. So while she's off with Gwen, we're introduced to uh, our other major character, Link. So he pulls a gun on Troy. He snuck into the house until he sees that it's Troy. And they we realize that they were cellmates in prison. While, meanwhile, while Troy and Link are catching up, uh, we see Gwen and Tammy show up at Gwen's ex-husband's house. And as soon as the door opens, Gwen attacks him, tackles him, rips his eye out, with a
1: corkscrew.
0: With a corkscrew and puts it down the garbage disposal and then walks out. And he sits down on the couch with his eye gone to finish watching the football game.
1: He just kind of covers it and cries a little.
0: Yeah, I, I get a kick out of this scene. It's why, um I think Gwen calls it an issue with their property settlement.
1: Yeah, that's what she says in the car ride over. But he's not even sitting on the couch. He's he's on the floor.
0: Is it when he watches TV? Eventually?
1: Yeah. I mean, he's just... I mean, who knows? We're, the backstory for these two is never fleshed out. He could have yeah. been extremely abusive in, in their past. But yeah, in this scene... We also don't know
0: how she lost her eye.
1: Yeah, but this scene really just paints him out to be the victim. Like, Oh, for sure. He doesn't even fight back. He just takes it and then goes back to drinking Budweiser in front of his football game on the carpet. This movie does not paint Gwen
0: in a sympathetic light whatsoever. No. Anyway, back to Troy and Link. Link is starting to come on to Troy. And we gradually realize that they had a sexual relationship in prison. And Link keeps saying things like, "You know, it's so hot in here. I think I'll I'll peel my shirt off." And he he wants Troy to wrestle with him, and he says they're gonna play by prison rules, where the loser takes it up the ass. And so they they Troy is not interested in this, but eventually they start wrestling, because uh, Link attacks him. Do you think Link comes off as, like, legitimately crazy?
1: Yeah. I mean, everyone in this film is psychotic, but he is the the king of psychopaths, the, the template from which all psychopaths are wrought, right? Like, in, in this well, film.
0: And I think the actor actually does a really good job of, like, seeming crazy. Like, he has a crazy look in his eyes. I believe that he would do the kinds of things that he does.
1: Oh, I mean, he's also like a stringy white boy, so that, that feeds into the image.
0: I guess, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about the look in his eye. It's very convincing. Yeah, he
1: does have the gleam.
0: But anyway, he manages to tackle Troy, and he starts to get his pants off, and he reaches and grabs a can of Valvoline <laughs> as a loop, I guess. Thankfully, you know, handy. thankfully, they're interrupted. Yes, um, Tammy comes in. And she is shocked. Uh, she thinks that they're like in a romantic moment. And so she she races out. And then Gwyn grabs a pair of hedge clippers and she says, "I've dreamed about this moment." <laughs> and she starts to go after Link, right? But Troy is yelling after Tammy. Um, that he's not a homo because he hasn't taken it up the ass once in his life. (laughs) And then he slaps Gwen in the face and knocks her unconscious. And the two guys chase after Tammy and Gwen eventually wakes up and she goes to call the police on Troy and Link because the news has said that, you know, they're looking for them. But before she talks to anybody, she takes one of the Tylenol that's poisoned with cyanide. And right before she can tell the police the address, she collapses dead. Tammy is on the beach. She's about to walk into the ocean like she threatened earlier. And she puts a gun in her mouth. Um, But Troy and Link show up just in time to stop her and as they're struggling the gun goes off and it just kills some guy down on on the beach (laughs) (laughs) Uh, like further down the beach we find out later that this was
1: pat goon
0: (laughs) the evangelist
1: guy when his body is like laid out on the sand face down there's just some random passerby on the beach just walking by nonchalantly not paying attention
0: yeah this whole, whole scene b-
1: bystander it, effect
0: but <laughs> this is like great physical comedy with the gun accidentally going off and none of our main characters notice that anyone got shot they're oblivious
1: is, is there anyway- like social commentary there like these people are just so completely like oblivious to the to the damage and mayhem that they're causing
0: I guess you could read that into it. Although it might be. It I, might be too deep. <laughs> well, I get the impression that James Dillinger wants us to, like, identify with these people more than that. Like, I don't think. I think the ones he's attacking are all the the, uh, quote unquote, straight people who are, being, the, these young people are uh, wreaking vengeance on them, in a way. But anyway, Troy and Troy and Link talk Tammy out of it, Um, and Troy says that it's okay because Link swings both ways, and they're going to be like one big happy menage a (laughs) trois. Close enough. Yeah. So meanwhile, Vern arrives home, and. he finds the hedge clippers and Gwyn's dead body and he hears Claret
1: out in the garage he also and- finds a condom <laughs> wrapped to a doorknob yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> which he pulls off as he tries to close the door <laughs> yeah he's um <laughs> he's
0: quite bewildered with everything that's happening but as he goes into the garage to find Claret Troy and Link and Tammy get home. And they park the car right in front of the garage door, but leave it running. So all of the exhaust fumes are filling the garage. And eventually Claret and Vern die. Just like that? Yeah. Ironically enough, um, that's how James Dillinger killed himself. With the car exhaust in the garage trick. Trick? Trick. <laughs> You know, whatever you want to call that. Uh, I mean Tactic.
1: Measure. T- t- technique? Sure, <laughs> technique. Uh, method. I think method is probably the most tasteful way you can put that trick.
0: Well, while this is going on, we hear a TV report about Pat Goon being shot. And the TV person says that he exemplified every decent, mediocre American virtue which I think could be like the tagline for the movie. Those are the kinds of people Dillinger wants to go after. So Troy and Link and Tammy have this plan that they're going to go rob Donkey Land because Link used to work there and he knows exactly where the money gets handed off to the security person. So as they're you know, in Donkey Land getting ready to rob it, And this is actually filmed in Disneyland, we should point out. Like, they took a camera into Disneyland and filmed this movie. And no one knew what they were doing. Yeah, do you think this is, like, unique? Do you think any other movie has done this?
1: That's a good question. I mean, this movie was probably such small-time potatoes when it came out that they were able to avoid disney's legal team of course disney in the mid 80s was nowhere near as powerful as it is now uh, they didn't like disney stock even up to like the early 2000s was like 15 a share or something like that it wasn't very much yeah now now it's like 184 dollars a share um and i think it's only rising uh yeah well now they own star wars they own marvel like fox they're virtually
0: a, yeah they're virtually a monopoly
1: but anyway it was a different so, time so anyway um filming it,
0: in disneyland
1: yeah back then you could probably get away with this if you tried this now i mean one s- surveillance and and security has has made leaps and bounds since the mid-80s. So I don't know if you could really get away with this unless you uh, were a little bit more clandestine about it. That said, obviously the interior shots that you were about to see were not filmed here, but yeah.
0: (laughs) At this point, Link says that he's got to go take a dump. And so he goes off, and while he's gone, Tammy tells Troy that she's scared of Link, that she thinks something is wrong with his mind. And Troy says, no, it's just because they're at Donkey Land. And when Link used to work there, he had a bad experience. He says that one time, Pinocchio caught him jerking off. And when Link's dad found out about it, he made him masturbate with sandpaper. This is another one of those asides that, like, I get a big kick out of. Even though it's ostensibly disturbing and like horrible it's presented so matter-of-factly and so deadpan that it comes across as comedic to me am I just a sick person or did this uh, does this make you laugh as well
1: maybe not this one but others for sure yeah I mean again this whole movie is uncomfortable it falls right in line with everything else
0: so they to to make a long story short, they they steal the money, but they end up shooting the guy, and I think they shoot another guy to to escape. But once they're out and back in the car, I think it's Troy that says it was as easy as taking a dildo from a baby.
1: I very clearly remember that line.
0: Yeah, I, I I'm I'm not sure what that's about. Yeah, struck me as odd but anyway their their plan is to go to mexico but they think that the border's being watched and so they're gonna hide out for the night at tammy's house and while they're back and they're all in bed they just had their menage at link goes into the bathroom and tammy realizes that the tang is missing At the same time, they turn on the news and find out there was a mass murder at Donkeyland and that that someone poisoned the supply of syrup that went in the soda machines. And then we see footage from Jonestown um, used in place of showing us the mass of dead bodies at uh, at Donkeyland. Did this use of the
1: Jonestown footage seem like grossly inappropriate to you? So first off, if you hadn't told me this was footage from Jonestown, I don't think I would have noticed. But so to put this in perspective, the the deaths in Jonestown, I believe, occurred in the late 70s, like uh, 1978, 77, something like that. So this movie came out less than 10 years ago. After the mass suicide at Jonestown I would not have noticed that this was even footage from Jonestown if you didn't say something because it's only used for what seconds not that long at all
0: maybe 5 to 10 seconds
1: yeah but this would be like if like after 9-11 there would be like a film in 2009 that would just use footage of the twin towers going down
0: yeah, and not to not to represent the Twin Towers, right? To represent a fictional situation.
1: Yeah, like just to represent a building, like, falling down or something. Like, if they just showed a tower collapsing, and then they used that as, as like, video archival footage or whatever. As if, like, in Creep,
0: all of that a stock footage of buildings being, uh, like detonated <laughs> oh no use the they used the oklahoma city bombing footage yeah wait it's like that
1: wait th- but they didn't actually right no no I'm it would well, what if they did if they yeah did. yeah
0: but you know it for the first thing that strikes me about this is like all right so it's like five seconds they didn't have to do this no right they didn't have to show mass dead bodies at all and if they did they could have you know filmed it um but instead they use this footage which makes me think that it was intentional that dillinger wanted to be intentionally blasphemous
1: but i'm i'm not sure what it accomplishes like what point it communicates do you think there is one i mean i'd imagine it's just trying to be shocking but yeah i mean okay so this was filmed on a low budget maybe it's like Maybe it's both, right? It's both shocking and low-budget because it's public, open stock footage. So there's no reason to have to get together, coordinate, like, 80 people to lay down in an open area for, like, a 10-second scene, five-second scene.
0: I wonder... I wonder if there's any, like, illegality to this. Like, can you just use footage of news events like that in your movie
1: like does anyone own that footage i mean the fourth kind had lots of news and self-recorded <laughs> footage that was put into that film oh i just assumed that the <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding because you know the whole movie's fake um yeah. uh I can't think of anything else off the top of my head like this. At least nothing that's hit theaters. Maybe that was the big thing. Like, he was able to get away with this because it wasn't, like, some kind of blockbuster, like, movie hit, right? Like, I'd imagine this movie was only shown in, like, art house cinemas, right? Yeah, it was...
0: Yeah, in her interview, uh, Sarah Lee Wade says that, that it was only shown, you know, like, a few times. But that she was shocked because people would still recognize her on the street and yell out like Tammy so that struck me as odd I was surprised
1: <laughs>
0: um, anyway so they, they come to the realization that uh, Link did this that Link took the tang and he poisoned the soda at Donkey Land and that's what he did when he went to the, the bathroom And so they might have gotten away with the robbery, but they're definitely not getting away with this. And the house is surrounded by a SWAT team. They want them to strip and come out with hands on their heads. Would law enforcement actually ask you to strip?
1: No, not that I'm aware of. Closest thing you probably could get to that would be during a felony car stop. They might have you lift up the, the, like the back of your shirt just to show that you don't have anything in your waistband.
0: Yeah. Well, they ask them to strip, and none of them are going to go. They're going to try to sneak out the back. But then this man comes on claiming to be Link's father, and that whatever happens, they're going to stand behind him, and they just want him to to come out and... They want to give him a hug, and Troy is like Link. It's not your parents. Your parents are dead. You killed. Them. <laughs> you killed them. <laughs> and Link was like, "Maybe I didn't. Maybe that was just a bad acid trip." <laughs> so I don't know if this is really supposed to be his parents or not.
1: It's definitely not.
0: No, because as soon as he go, he goes out. They they shoot him and he's dead
1: dillinger here is uh is is heavily pushing the message don't trust the cops
0: yeah no but anyway so troy and tammy do escape and this is when we saw at the beginning tammy is recording him her memoir on the um the old recorder and they're they're still on the run she says but You know, things are getting things are getting tiresome and she's tired of being on the run. And on top of that, when Troy gets home, he thinks that somebody recognized him at the grocery store and the feds are after him, that they followed him all the way home. So they turn on some angry Samoans and they take the cyanide Tylenol and lay in bed together to die. They die making out. Well,
1: they die fucking.
0: Yeah, yeah. she wanted him inside her.
1: Yes, as alluded for, at the beginning of the film, she wanted. if they're going to die, she wanted to die with him inside her. And that is exactly but what happens.
0: The ultimate twist is we see that it was not the law enforcement after them. It was just the Jehovah's Witnesses that wanted to give them a Watchtower magazine. All right, so that's the end of Blonde Death. Um, do you want to give your final thoughts and a rating out of four?
1: I I don't have a, a, a rating in mind. I did not have one in mind before we started re- talking and reviewing this film because I feel like, for the most part, I may have been unfair in my previous critiques of on video film because at first I was just very put off by the medium but now I'm starting to become adjusted to it inoculated to it perhaps that's that's a better term and because of that it's easier for me to appreciate these films more for what they are trying to do outside of <laughs> this, uh, very unique and stylized production quality that said i still think creep is is so far the best on video film we've watched um and letting and stewing on it and reflecting on it i still feel like that's probably the best one it's only gotten better in my mind is what i was trying to say but blonde death really starts kind of slow like okay it's disturbing at first and then it drags a little, but it gets a lot better as it goes. And thinking back on it, it also, much like Creep, just gets better as I think about it. And talking about it really helped me sort of identify and isolate the, the little things in the script that really magnify this film into something... That really makes it stand out, even among other on video films that we've seen thus far. In terms of actual content, right? Visually speaking, there's not a lot of depravity here. Most of it is spoken, alluded to, referenced, but almost never shown. I mean, even the couple of gunshot deaths that are on camera is really just some guy in bloody makeup jiggling around from the forces of bullets but even then there's still a lot of there's a lot of disturbing content here and it really borders it straddles that this uncomfortable valley line between traumatic and absolutely absurd and Perhaps this is something that's more relatable if you have been in a field or been in a, a, a field of work that involves constantly being exposed to trauma. But having a dark sense of humor, like an actual dark sense of humor, is sort of a coping mechanism for dealing with like horrific traumatic incidents or stress. And this movie some is, is like replicating that feel. Like if you laugh at some of the things in this and you haven't experienced these things in real life, you're kind of getting a gist on how first responders and like hospital workers and stuff tend to, to deal with this kind of disturbing subject matter. And there's something there. I mean, maybe Creep hit this too, but it's more apparent in this film. Am I crazy for thinking that? No, I,
0: I wouldn't have thought to put it in those terms. But um,
1: that really resonates with me. Like, I, I think you're on point. So, even though you know the plot to this film, we, we, uh, we, we glossed over a lot of the little moments in this film that really make it shine. Because, um, you know, we're trying not to go over like an hour fucking 40 on a movie that's an hour 40 minutes long, right? Uh this is definitely worth watching. And if you ever, I mean, chances are if you're listening to this podcast, right, you don't have any reluctance to watching on video movies, right? Like you're here. You're you obviously are listening to this because you are somewhat aware of this genre. But if you for whatever reason are skeptical let this movie try to change your mind. This and creep, but but they're totally different films. They're both despicable for different reasons. So you know, pick your poison. And uh, you know I'm looking I'm looking forward to watching more films among this genre in the future. Um, yeah, it feels arbitrary to put, I mean, I guess all star ratings are arbitrary, but it feels especially arbitrary for something like this T- to really rate anything that's subversive. I've, I've come to try to find out that trying to like apply a rating to it just seems, I don't know, uh, like missing the point, but for the sake of completeness, I'm just going to say this is going to be a three star film for me. <laughs>
0: yeah, that makes sense. And I, I your hesitancy makes sense. I, I think it's totally fair. Um, I think this movie is really wonderful. I I saw it for the first time, maybe like three months ago. I've watched it a few times since then. And the more I watch it and talk about it and think about it, the more I am sort of turned on to the depth that's here and the satire. I don't know if this, I don't know if I want to call this satire or subversion or, um, anarchy. Uh, I don't know, but, um, there, there's a lot here in the same way there, there's a lot in John Waters and just like John Waters, um, especially in his early stuff, the subversion is over the top. It's ridiculous. Um, which makes me laugh a lot, but here it's angrier. Um, as I said, it lacks John Waters playfulness, um, There's almost like cruelty here uh, and and a real darkness that I can see turning people off. Um, But there's so much in this film that you catch after repeat viewings, like little throwaway lines that are just written into the script but not emphasized in the filming. Uh, And I can see why this guy, James Dillinger, went on to to write novels and stop making films because I think that's where his passion really is in the writing and I'm very interested to read his books because I I'm unfamiliar with them Um, but anyway yeah I I think I've I mean I've kind of given a review throughout this show um, uh, but I'm gonna go out on a limb just because I really want people to watch this uh, and I'm gonna give it four stars. Wow yeah um, I, I wasn't going to because I was like this isn't this isn't at like female trouble level right like I think that's still a, a better film um, but this is trying to do something different and it's got a different attitude and ethos to it and I think a different philosophy about life um, it's a much more nihilistic depressed one uh which i guess explains you know this is a guy who committed suicide um not significantly uh you know a lot of time after this so anyway i think it's trying to do something different and um i think it's an important work in the history of subversive cinema shot on video cinema um punk cinema uh this movie is is not well known and it needs to be all right so that's it for blonde death from 1984 so next week we're going to do another aip flick from 1992 mind body and soul starring wings hauser this one is super fun Uh, i don't know if i'd call it good Um, but it is fun in the way elves is fun,
1: which is that it is bonkers. Um, wings Hauser from the carpenter fame. Hey, the carpenter
0: is uh, not good. It's pretty bad. (laughs) Yeah.
1: It's really awful.
0: I I was gonna, I was gonna speak in its defense, but it's, (laughs) I always get wings Hauser and, um, and what's his name? Uh, the ginger dead man confused
1: the ginger dead man yeah the guy who plays the ginger dead man are you talking about gary Busey? yeah he plays the ginger dead man yeah he does oh i've uh, not seen that
0: yeah i always get them confused because i was i was thinking that wings hauser was in hider in the house but that's gary Busey.
1: yeah i mean he's just like a dr thunder brand version of gary Busey.
0: Well, if, uh, if you have not seen Mind, Body, and Soul, um, you can watch it on Tubi. Uh, the VHS is cheap. It's easy to get. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's on DVD. So check it out and join us next week. And in the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram at video.store.nightmares, where I post everything that we do. Uh, Leland, do you have any last words? Thank you for your continued support. Beautiful. Uh, We will talk to you all next week about mind, body, and soul.